Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Actually, this has been a big week with Super Tuesday as primaries were held in a number of states across the country. And uh, this is the first of two Super Tuesdays as March 17th will be the next Super Tuesday primary election. And of course, Ohio is voting in the primary on March 17th. Uh, early voting has already begun, but uh, again, of course, uh, make sure that uh, you show up at your precinct and make your mark. Uh, in the primary, and of course, this is the presidential election year. There are a number of races, of course, that will be on your ballot. Uh, there'll be some state house races, uh, state senate, congressional, uh, and of course, uh, voting for president. Mr. Trump will be representing the Republican ticket, and there's a number of uh, Democrats that are on the primary side. When you receive a ballot, uh, it's, it is party affiliation, so if you're a registered Democrat, you'll receive a Democrat primary ballot. And if you receive, if you're a Republican, you receive a Republican primary ballot. That's how the primaries work. Also, again, if you're an independent or a third party, you receive basically a uh, uh, ballot card that has issues on it, uh, unless there is some type of uh, contested primary within your uh, third party affiliation. But uh, with that, again, uh, just encourage everyone to get out and vote on March the 17th. That is Tuesday, next Tuesday. And, of course, it is also St. Patrick's Day, so that's just the way things landed. But with that said, there are a number of contested races in the primaries across the state. You'll want to take and pay close attention to that, as well as visiting the Ohio Christian Alliance website. That's ohioca.org. We have surveyed the candidates, uh, both for Congressional, Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and uh, we will, of course, have our full voter guide for the fall election uh, coming in late September, early October, in advance of early voting of the November presidential election. Uh, but we will have some limited primary voter guides available on our website and links to other information uh, where you can obtain information about the candidates. Again, that's Ohio. CA.org. Well, today we have with us special guest, State Representative Diane Grindell. She has been appointed to the 76th district seat uh, that became open earlier this year, and uh, she is currently serving. This is her second stint at the Ohio State House, uh, serving in the Ohio House. It's been a number of years since she has served in the legislature, as she has been a judge uh, as of late in the 11th district. Uh, Court of Appeals. She has served there for a number of years, and she was also uh, in nursing. So she has a great, uh, a lot of experience bringing into the legislature again. So again, with that, uh, we welcome Representative Diane Grindell. Welcome, Representative. Thank you. Good afternoon, and and thank you for your support. Well, thank you for coming on with us today, and I uh, want to talk to you a little bit, first of all, in your role as uh, representative for the 76th District. And again, as we mentioned, this is your second term or second time of serving in the Ohio legislature. Uh, and so I want to ask you personally, what's it like returning to Columbus? Because you've had a number of years in between, something like 
Uh, when was it? Uh, maybe eight, uh, 18 years ago, I think, was the last time 18, that you served? Yes, 18 years ago. I went right to being a judge. Right. After, and after so, eight years in the state house. Yeah, you were eight years in the state house. And it was actually this seat, or I don't know, it may have been another number of district, but it was the same county seat representing uh, your district in the Ohio state house back then. That's when I first. Uh, became the executive director of then the Christian Coalition, now the Ohio Christian Alliance. So we just missed each other. I do remember uh, visiting uh, the State House and in the gallery and, and seeing you on the floor at the time. I, of course, became more acquainted with your husband, Tim, when he served both in the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. We worked on legislation together, as you know, the founding of American Documents curriculum and other pieces of legislation over the years. But didn't have the opportunity to, to uh, work with you on legislation. And, of course, now we can do that. But and I want to ask you, what do you think about the changes that have occurred at the Ohio State House in those 18 years? First of all, back then you just be able to walk right in. Now you got to go through security. So there's other changes as well. What do you think about that? A lot of security. I have to keep remembering my past. And, uh, and it, when I have a guest and, and constituents come down, we have to really have, help them out with getting, you know, into the different chambers. But it's it's been a wonderful return. I saw I see many people that were here before. You know, I worked with Larry Householder before, Ron Hood, you know, and several other people that have been here. Uh, and, you know, Tim and I, my husband, we love helping the people. It gives us great joy. I, I enjoy helping my constituents. I enjoy working for the areas of concern that I strongly support, like pro-life, like the Constitution, so many things. I'm honored to be back and very pleased to help the people. Oh, wonderful. Well, and again, it was our pleasure to present you with a framed copy of the Ten Commandments for hanging in your office, one of the things that we've done over the years with our office holders is to present them with a framed copy of the Ten Commandments for hanging in their office. Anyone who would accept our invitation, you graciously did. And, uh, of course, it's a wonderful, beautiful display of the Ten Commandments, and uh, we were happy to present you uh, just last week uh, when you were speaking at the Portage County Tea Party. So uh, thank you for that, Representative. It's beautiful. And, again, I'm so honored to have that in my office. Do you remember when Judge or Governor Moore Judge Moore, he was removed because he had a copy of the Ten Commandments. Do you remember? He, that that's copy? right. He fought for the Ten Commandments display down there in Alabama. I, uh, I know folks who support him well. We followed his work over the years, and uh, of course, he was a, a candidate yesterday on the primary ballot in in Alabama. That's actually going to be a runoff from uh, former Senator Jeff Sessions, who served as Attorney General with. Uh, Mr. Trump, and then another gentleman are going to be in a runoff. But the uh, judge um, didn't, uh, he was running again for that seat, wasn't able to secure the nomination. But yeah, the judge has done a, a great uh, work uh, for the cause over the years, absolutely. He has had a lot of courage, and I hope to have the same kind of courage. Well, that's right. And of course, we're seeing a turning of the tide uh, in that regard. We're seeing courts now upholding expressions of faith in the public square. And so we've seen a difference in the bench concerning uh, public expressions of faith. And so we saw with the Bladensburg Cross, which was a World War I monument, um, 
memorial uh, that uh, was tribute to those soldiers who fell during World War I, uh, actually Bladensburg, Maryland, and the U.S. Supreme Court upheld that. Then there's been a series of other lower court decisions, even about the public display of the Ten Commandments on public property. So we are seeing a turn, uh, a turning of the tide, as it were, in that regard, and that's a good thing. And I think that also uh, speaks to the appointments that President Trump has made uh, in his uh, first term of appointing uh, justices that hold to a constitutional view of the law, and that's what, and rather than an activist role in the, in the law. So we're we're thankful for that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Well, Representative, I want to talk talk to you about some of the committees that you're currently serving on. And I think when I looked at the committee list, I thought, well, this is wonderfully reflective of your experience that you're bringing back to the state house. As we said, it's been a 18 years since you last served. And uh, in that time, you've not been idle. Of course, you've been serving on the bench, and you have been seeing in real time the justice system and making decisions over criminal law and process. And I think that the speaker and leadership actually placed you on some important strategic committees. So, for instance, committees on aging and long-term care, and I think that speaks to your nursing experience in your past. Uh, also criminal justice, and then the subcommittee for criminal justice and criminal justice sentencing, and then health, of course. So I think these are committees that speak to your strengths. Tell me what you think about uh, the committees you're currently serving on, what experience you think you could bring. Well, again, I'm so pleased. The speaker has been so good to me. He has helped me out uh, to be on long-term uh, and aging uh, is is vital to my uh, community. My area here, sixty percent of the people are now seniors, so this is so important. And then being on the health committee, you know, we need people with a medical background. That's one of the the reasons that the speaker wanted me back is because of so much of my education. You need people who understand a lot of these issues, whether it's opioids or hearts or diseases. And heart issues or diseases, and of course, criminal justice. It's so complicated now, and he gave me the duty with several other people uh, to be chair of of the, um, of re- criminal resentencing. And we had seminars all over, of which you know, you know, our laws. It's like the house that has been added onto and added onto and added onto, and there's so many rooms. It's hard to find your way. And as being a judge, you know, we need to make the laws clear so people can understand them and and the judges can understand them. So I'm very honored to be part of all of that. Well, those are some important committees for sure. Uh, And when I think about uh, criminal justice and then sentencing reform, we've seen some move along those lines. Uh, and I know that you serving as a judge on the 11th uh, District Court of Appeals over the years have seen that in real time, uh, that the law and statute only allows for certain sentencing guidelines. And I'm sure that as a judge, you would have liked to have some more latitude uh, given a case-by-case basis. So I think now you'll be able to weigh in on this. And I think that's where leadership uh, served us all well by putting you on those committees with your experience that you've had, Judge, over the years. And so serving again in the legislature, you're bringing that experience with you. And I think that's what people look for in representing them 
uh, in their district. And let's talk about your district. It's Jaga County and it's Northern Portage County. And, uh, of course, uh, you and your husband have lived there for years. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and about the folks in the 76th district. Well, uh, we've always enjoyed working for the people of the 76th district. It's a agricultural area. It has a huge Amish population. That's this growing community is the Amish growing population. People who care about their families, people who have values, people, not just the Amish, but my people in general, the agricultural community, hardworking, willing to do what it takes for their family to protect them and to keep them safe. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the Amish because... You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, the Amish, you know, that's, they don't pay taxes or they don't vote. (laughs) It's like, well, talk about two real misnomers. One, yes, they do pay taxes. And yes, two, they do vote. In fact, if you ask an Amishman, uh, they'll say, hey, I pay taxes, don't I? You betcha I vote. And uh, in fact, we've had people over the years uh, throughout the state, they're obviously a very uh, strong religious community and conservative. So our volunteers have gone into the Amish community and registered people to vote and uh, and engaged with them over the years. And so I th- I'm glad you brought that up because that is so important. And then, of course, they uh, also weigh in on, you know, religious liberty issues of, you know, where the state can constantly encroaches into uh, realms of, of actually violating people's conscience and right of conscience and liberty, uh, religious liberty issues. Speak to us about that, Representative. Well, really, the the Amish want to be left alone from the government. They, uh, I, I remember when they lost the the cheese factory because the cheese factory, the son who who the father died and the son, the Rothenbuehlers, um, were in charge. He didn't want to use the Amish cheese because it's not boiled. And you know, if you know anything about cheese, you you the bacteria is what helps the flavor. So they didn't know what to do, and I was able to work with them, and they were extremely shy, always just hated to be ask anything from the government, but we right. worked together, and we, we got the Amish Cheese Factory for them, which has blossomed and is blooming on their own, you know, and just helped them get started. And, uh, you know, they've also had meetings there. I, I just went to a meeting with over 600 Amish, and they were very concerned about drugs and opioids and, and, and of course, cell phones that, you know, you know, in contaminating all of this contaminating their community. So when they have a meeting, the people in the community care and they show up. And it, it was amazing discussion. Again, very that, hardworking, that, caring people, family. Well, that's people. right. And I'm so glad you brought that up because they've not been exempt from the opiate addiction uh, crisis that we've experienced here in Ohio. The Amish community has also been hit with that, and I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad that they're engaging uh, to get the kind of help that they need also uh, with those who are addicted to opiates. And, of course, the good news is is that we're starting to turn the tide on that as well. Over the last few years on this radio program, we've actually had uh, former Attorney General Mike DeWine, now our governor, uh, Dave Yost on the program, and others who have been uh, fighting on this. On in the legislature, and um, you know, finding out ways to get ahead of the opiate addiction uh, problem here in Ohio, and I'm so glad to see the numbers are coming down of uh, overdose deaths in Ohio. 
still a lot of work to go, but we're hearing more good news and some good reports are starting to formulate and personal testimonies, of course, those who have been able to recover from the addiction. And so uh, for a while, we weren't getting any good news. It was just increasingly just getting worse and worse and worse. And now we're seeing uh, the judicial system, law enforcement, the faith community, and, uh, you know, uh, members in the legislature all working together in the community. And, and finally, we're able to get ahead of this thing and started to uh, get get a hold of it. Your thoughts on that? Uh, well, we're bringing hope back, that's for sure. But uh, the, probably one of the biggest things is to help the family around the person that's addicted and help keep a support system so they can come back and and use their love from their family to support them. And we've had several good success stories. I know my husband works in the court system every day. He has, what, 17 to 27 cases almost every day. And it's going down a little. But it's the biggest and most important thing is that they get help, they get people to, to support them, have them drug-free for a while so they can start thinking on their own and make the choice to quit. Mm. That's right. And, of course, uh, the other aspect of, of hope is that uh, employment uh, opportunities are on the rise in Ohio with the turning around of the economy. Uh, I had someone on my program a couple weeks ago talked about their, uh, just uh, from a uh, 20-mile radius outside of Medina City, there's 30,000 jobs available, and more than half of them wow. pay more than $50,000 a year plus benefits. Yeah. So the good the good news is there is um, employment opportunities for these people, also giving them hope. And uh, and I know this is kind of a holistic picture here of how we want to turn things around for our young people in Ohio. Uh, we're talking with State Representative Diana Grendel. She is a candidate for full disclosure. She is a candidate on the primary ballot. Again, that's Tuesday, March seventeenth. She is running for State House for the full term uh, in the seventy sixth district. Uh, Representative, uh, do you have a website that people can visit uh, for your campaign so that they might review more about your uh, person and your issues? Uh, yes, Ohio76district.com. Um, okay, very good. Well, let's uh, talk about a couple of other things. And uh, so glad you were able to come on the program today and talk. Um, the um, uh, been following about the Ed Choice vouchers. Has there been a resolution yet between the two chambers? I know that uh, the Ed Choice voucher um, discussion was in conference committee between the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. Governor DeWine has extended his invite to sit down with members of the conference committee and leadership in both the House and Senate to resolve the um, differences between the two chambers. Uh, is there an update on that for our folks? Uh, there, well, <laughs> there's no update as of yet. They're in... Uh, I know the Speaker, the President of the Senate, Larry Imhoff, and uh, uh, Governor DeWine are working hard to pound it out. There, there's some big differences in in performance uh, issues uh, to to make sure that people in schools that have that very poor performance uh, will get a chance. That's where the Senate is. In the House, we want to base it on poverty, and and of course, people be protected in the following year of whoever has has the vouchers. You know, we the some of the schools have failed the children. Some of them just have. 
and are very poor, and the the, the poor the children need to have a choice. But the legislature has failed many of the public schools because we've made so many rules and intrusions that they can't teach anymore because they're always studying for a test. And uh, so we're trying to fix that. And I know the speaker was uh, very choked up and tearful, said he wanted to do this for years to fix this and feels like we have some really good options out there now. Well, that's right. And so we're hoping that uh, things uh, will be able to be worked out in the legislature. School choice, educational school choice is a must. Um, and we'd like to see school choice in Ohio actually grow yes. and have more opportunities for Ohio students, not less. And I know there's a lot of voices weighing in on this, uh, a lot of the superintendents and school districts and the teachers association. And, of course, parents, of course, are weighing in, that those who would like to ha- continue the educational choice vouchers uh, that they've been able to benefit from and their children have been able to benefit from. So lots of folks looking with great interest on what may come out of conference committee. Uh, With that, Representative, also, uh, what are some legislation quickly that you're working on currently? Well, uh, two or three things. I have uh, the e-check. We're trying to get e-check stopped because that was the most problematic uh, uh, mandate that we put upon our people, a waste of $10 million every year. Just think we could use that money for students. A waste of a test that does nothing. One, it's, it's invalidated. It doesn't even make a, uh, doesn't even have a good testing uh, system. And then um, it does nothing to clean the air. So we could be using that money for schools. And so that's one thing that passed the House, it's over in the Senate. The other thing is is the retirees. I'm working on retirees, uh, pension funds. I don't know if you know this, you probably do know this, but but just like in Oprah's, 36 people make $300,000 to $750,000. Just 36 people make that much just on um, deciding where to put the fund funding fees. And uh, we they now they tell us that we don't have enough money to for COLA increases or for health care. And all the, just think all these people were promised. We're given the promise when they became a public employee that they would have health care. First they took away their spouses and now they're t- trying to take away their health care. So that's a big issue that I'm working on. And I'm also uh, protecting our, our um, rights uh, our, our Second Amendment rights. I'm work- I have a bill regarding protection for our Second Amendment rights so that what happened in Virginia won't happen in Ohio. And there's just so many other bills that I'm working on and cleaning up the, uh, I'm working really hard to clean up the antiquated uh, legal system with our laws that just don't make any sense. Very good. Thank you, Representative Diane Grindel. Appreciate you being my guest today. Thank you so much for coming on. It was my honor. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. God bless. Again, that's State Representative Diane Grindel. And for full disclosure, uh, the Ohio Fish Alliance doesn't endorse or support any political party or candidate, but provides this as an educational opportunity for you to hear from the candidates. And Representative Grindel is a primary candidate on the March 17th ballot. Thanks for listening today. And again, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Save the dates, March 6th and 7th, for the 11th annual Bringing America Back to Life convention at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. On Friday, join Dr. Jennifer Roback morse discuss solutions to the fallout from the Hookup Society, and Professor Mark Ragnaris from the University of Texas, who will connect the dots between reproductive technology and receding commitment. Dr. Bill Lyle, OBGYN, joins us on Saturday to talk about the miracle of life in the womb, and Alex Schattenberg from Canada recounts his country's free fall into the practice of euthanasia. Don't miss these powerful messages and much more. Join us March 6th and 7th at this unique convention in Independence, Ohio, the only event of its kind in the nation. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org for details or call Laura, 440-529-4836, 440-529-4836. Okay, and we're back, and we're going to continue what we call our candidate spotlight. We're taking this opportunity to bring to you some of the candidates that are running uh, for office, and of course, the March primary is March 17th. That's coming up in a few weeks. Yesterday was the uh, voter registration deadline, uh, and of course, early voting begins today. So if you're already registered, nothing to worry about. This was uh, obviously if you needed to change your uh, voting registration, if you needed to update it, that kind of thing. You could still do that for the fall, uh, but uh, before the primary, uh, that deadline was yesterday. But we informed you all about that, so hopefully you were able to do that. And so those of us who are looking to vote in the March primary, on the 17th, there's a number of interesting races in the primary. In the Ohio 22nd Senate District, uh, currently State Senator Larry Oboff, who is the Senate president, is termed out. So there is a competitive race for that uh, Senate seat, which takes in uh, the counties of uh, Richland County, Ashland County, Medina County. It's a district that stretches through that uh, area. And uh, with us on the phone is one of the candidates for that uh, Senate seat, and he is currently State Representative Mark Romachuk, and uh, we're going to hear from him as to what his views are uh, as he campaigns for the 22nd Senate District seat. Mark, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Chris. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us today. We appreciate you taking some time out. Um, you, you've been making your way up and down the district. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where your hometown is, and uh, what your background is. Well, Chris, I am. Um, I currently live in Ontario, Ohio, which is a suburb of Mansfield. And as you mentioned, I represent all of Richland County now in the Ohio House. Um, I'm a private sector person. I own two 
manufacturing companies in in Ontario. Those are still in operation today. And I'm so blessed to have my wife who uh, oversees the operation while I'm in Columbus serving. So uh, my background is primarily private sector, primarily businessman, and uh, I've had the great pleasure to serve in Columbus now for seven years. So I'm in my fourth and final term in the Ohio House. Well, uh, thank you. And I know that um, actually trades issues was one of the things that you worked on in the House. You're continuing to work on uh, a trades bill, which would help uh, Ohio's next generation of tradesmen actually find the type of training that they need in apprenticeship programs. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know that you've been working on that bill uh, to get it uh, launched here uh, soon. Tell us about that. Well, I tell you, Chris, uh, the workforce development is the defining issue of our day. What I mean by that is we've cut taxes for individuals and businesses. We've cut red tape for businesses. But the piece that we still struggle with a little bit is the workforce development piece. What that means is we have a lot of jobs going unfilled in Ohio and in Medina County, for example. Within a 20-mile radius of Medina City, there are roughly 30,000 job openings going unfilled. And would you believe that 40% of those job openings pay $50,000 or more with full benefits? So we haven't been able to fill the jobs that our policies have created. And one of the ways we're trying to do that, and there's several things we're working on, but one of the bills that I'm working on is a bill that would encourage businesses to do more apprenticeships, to, to train in the trades, as you mentioned, because it's many of those jobs going unfilled. So welding, machining, maintenance people, all those electrician, plumber, um, all those jobs, are there's many of them out there. They're good-paying jobs. They're career jobs. Uh, we just have to find a way to get people interested in those fields and fill those jobs. Well, that's right. I know that our governor is interested in that. Uh, you know, former uh, uh, state uh, treasurer Josh Mandel was talking about that. A number of people have been uh, talking about the need to train Ohio's next generational workforce. There's a great demand, as you just mentioned, uh, for electricians and plumbers and welders, uh, carpentry, uh, a number of the skills, machinists, of course. Uh, Ohio is big in machining uh, parts for the aircraft industry, and we're going to have a lot of guys retiring and nobody to fill their shoes. Tell us about that uh, demand. Well, that's right. Our workforce is aging, and we haven't been replacing them fast enough, so the pipeline is uh, somewhat empty. And it's been very difficult uh, for industry and for the trades to convince young people to go into that type of work. Um, so there is a strong effort out there to um, do more career exploration. So these kids, uh, young people, um, are um, exposed to the trades and and they understand that they've become very high-tech. Um, most of them uh, work, have work environments that are extremely clean, and the, these companies are very innovative, and they're on the cutting edge in many ways. Um, unfortunately, I think our young people still have this, this vision in their mind of dirty, uh, not high-tech, 
uh, and we, we're trying to change that, and we need the business community, frankly, to help us do that. Government likely won't solve this on its own. Uh, it really has to be a complete community effort. It has to be an effort by our business community. It has to be an effort by our schools uh, to, to uh, make sure everyone knows it's an option and it's, the college isn't for everybody. So I think it's slowly coming together. Um, I think it started coming together during the last administration under the Kasich administration. He knew that college wasn't for everybody, and um, we really passed a lot of legislation the last few years encouraging uh, career exploration so kids know what all their options are. We've really been pushing college for a number of years, and what it's actually happened is a lot of kids have gone to college. They've mounted college debt that is still with them today. Uh, a lot of them didn't realize the uh, actually uh, the thing in which they were going to college for. They, they didn't actually become that engineer. They didn't become that teacher. Uh, and maybe they just have a wasted degree in some field also uh, that uh, just they are paying on, but nothing realized as far as it didn't translate into a viable, uh, profitable uh, work, uh, you know, uh, trade. And so we'd like to rescue the next group um, and actually some of these folks to retrain them for the, the uh, needs that's there currently. As you said, 30,000 job openings cur- currently. The economy's good, no doubt. And, uh, you know, B&W just made a big announcement here in Northeast Ohio where they got a billion-dollar uh, contract with uh, the, the Navy to... Uh, do some more uh, nuclear power um, uh, turbines for the Navy. So, you know, things are beginning to turn around here in Northeast Ohio, but we need a workforce that's trained. Tell us about that. Exactly right. Uh, Again, it's the defining issue. Um, If we aren't able to fill these jobs, well, they'll eventually kind of go away. If they're not jobs that can be automated, then the businesses will move their operations someplace where they can find a workforce. So we want to make sure Ohio, we want to make sure Northeast Ohio um, has the right workers for all these businesses because we don't want to lose them. Again, that's why it's become the defining issue of the day. Mm. Well, Mark, uh, the 22nd District, um, obviously it stretches between the three counties. Uh, Medina itself is a distinct county where it has three separate cities, Brunswick, Medina City itself, and Wadsworth. Uh, and that, that's kind of interesting. As you've been traveling the district, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of getting to know the folks. Well, I've really uh, enjoyed meeting uh, new people. And in the end, it, it feels to me like uh, the people of Medina County are very similar to the people of Richland and Ashland County. And, oh, by the way, it's, it's the northern part of Holmes County as well uh, is part of that Senate District. But I've enjoyed meeting everybody, um, being having an industrial background of myself and owning two manufacturing companies. I've enjoyed meeting the manufacturers in Medina County. We all have the same issues. They're very similar. Of course, workforce is at the top of the list. But also the cost of health care is another one I've been working on uh, in Columbus. We're trying to lower overall health care, which is kind of our families and with individuals that have uh, a single plan. Uh, and um, our businesses are struggling to, to, to provide good health care for their employees. So if work 
terrifying of the cost of health care, I'm afraid that's also going to be uh, a, a situation that makes Ohio and our businesses less competitive with others around the world. And, you know, Chris, we're not just competing against uh, Kentucky and Indiana and Michigan and other states. We're competing with the rest of the world, especially when it comes to manufacturing. That's why health care be corrected. That's why we have to get uh, a work uh, and one that fills all the job openings going unfilled. Uh, so there's a lot on the line. Um, and these, again, are good jobs that pay well, family-sustaining jobs where people can buy homes and cars, send their kids to uh, 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 college potentially or uh, post-secondary training of any kind. So there's a lot on the line, and and when you look at some of our cities around the state, including some uh, in Richland County, for example, our county seat is Mansfield, we lost an awful lot of industry over the last, uh, starting back in the 80s and 90s, we lost all of our industry, or or the large large, uh, section of it, and it's, it's decimated our city, and we're coming back now, but we have to, we have to put an emphasis on uh, making things because that's how you create wealth, that's how you create strong families, that's how you create a strong state. You know some of the uh, social issues, Mark. Uh, you know, uh, pro life. Uh, you supported the heartbeat bill when it came through the legislature this last uh, term. Oh, absolutely! I was always a co-sponsor of the heartbeat bill. I actually voted for it. Uh, four times, and of course, the fourth time it finally got through the Senate and was signed by the governor. So I was—I'm always been a huge supporter of the heartbeat bill. I'm just a—I'm just—I'm 100% pro-life. Uh, I've always been endorsed by uh, the Ohio Pro-Life Organization, and I will always be pro-life. You know, some of the things that have come up at the uh, state legislature recently. The governor is. Uh, Talking about some red flag laws uh, or um, you know some type of uh, if you want to call them gun restrictions, I'm not sure exactly how he's terming it, but there's caused alarm in the Second Amendment community. Uh, you know, uh, there's people who obviously are strong Second Amendment supporters, but they're concerned about the governor's proposals. Do you have an opinion on that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, first of all. Uh... I'm a strong Second Amendment supporter. I am uh, supported by the Buckeye Firearms Association. I have an A with the NRA. Um, I have a 100% voting record with, with regard to the Second Amendment. I am against any controls or restrictions on gun rights, and that includes red flag laws. It's simple as that. I don't think the legislature is going to pass the red flag laws. I think there's way too many, too much resistance to that. I know I'm a no, and I know many of my colleagues are no's as well. You know, the uh, some of the concerns we hear come up about the due process. With red flag laws, you actually suspend actual due process. I mean, uh, talking to some of the judges uh, already, if there is a concern of an individual that's in his court on a restraining order or uh, maybe a, a mental issue or, uh, some, or uh, some crime that was committed, uh, that uh, was stress-related, that kind of thing, or an assault charge. The judge already has the ability to uh, to actually confiscate uh, firearms if uh, temporarily, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if, if if this person is deemed to be a a, a person a harm to themselves or the community, uh, 
But this is different, what's being proposed. We're talking about somebody just reporting somebody, like a doctor or a neighbor uh, or somebody like this, uh, reporting someone, and without due process, uh, actually, you know, the red flag law would be applied. Is that what uh, you're hearing is what the proposal is? Yeah, I, I think they've tried to build in some due process, but it's still a system that will be open to false accusations. And even if you do have uh, some sort of due process, the fact that somebody can falsely accuse you and maybe ultimately through a, some sort of due process you get found innocent and you keep uh, your weapons, uh, think of what a person has to go through uh, to do that. Uh, they probably have to hire a lawyer. They have to spend time uh, fighting it. And it's just not fair when you have a system like that that can um, uh, allow you to be falsely accused. So the other part of this that commonly doesn't get talked about, Chris, is there's an under if there's an underlying problem here, let's fix it. In many cases, you people say that it's a mental illness problem, and that's where the focus should be, on the mental illness, not on the shiny object, whether it be a handgun, a car, a knife, a baseball bat, a hammer, the list goes on and on. So that's very common sometimes in legislatures. Our focus isn't on the root cause. It's on something else that's very politically uh, expedient. Um, I would suggest we need to focus on mental health. And in fact, in many cases, we have the funding for mental health uh, treatment and prevention of um, these things that happen uh, with a mentally ill person has been high on the list in the legislature. We've passed all kinds of legislation and we funded a lot of programs to deal with mental health, including in our school system. We just passed roughly $600 million in the last budget that will be applied to schools so kids can get the help that they need. So, again, we have to focus on the root cause and stop focusing on uh, something like a shiny metal object that really has nothing to do with the situation. Well, hopefully that's some of the discussions that could be had. Uh, we've talked to some judges. I talked to uh, Judge Grindel, who has a juvenile court uh, issues. A lot of times he says, cases come before my bench, and the only option I have is to put somebody in jail uh, rather than to refer them to where they need um, you know, counseling services. He said there's just not many choices for the judges, and I think that maybe that's something we can look to to deal with the mental uh, health issue in regard to this. I agree with you, Representative, because we certainly don't want to see a diminishment of our Second Amendment rights, and I think that is, uh, you know, a very strong feeling throughout Ohio. Uh, we're talking with State Representative uh, Mark Romachuk. He is a candidate for the 22nd Senate District, and the March primary is March 17th. That's Super Tuesday, and it's approaching quickly. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side with some closing comments. Save the dates, March 6th and 7th, for the 11th annual Bringing America Back to Life convention at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. 
On Friday, join Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse discuss solutions to the fallout from the Hookup Society and Professor Mark Ragnaris from the University of Texas who will connect the dots between reproductive technology and receding commitment. Dr. Bill Lyle, OBGYN, joins us on Saturday to talk about the miracle of life in the womb and Alex Schattenberg from Canada recounts his country's free fall into the practice of euthanasia. Don't miss these powerful messages and much more. Join us March 6th and 7th at this unique convention in Independence, Ohio, the only event of its kind in the nation. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org for details or call Laura, 440-529-4836, And we're on the phone with uh, Mark Romachuk. He is a candidate for the State Senate District 22, which takes in Medina County, Ashland County, and Richland County. Uh, he will be on the, excuse me, the March primary ballot of March 17th. And uh, that's approaching quickly. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit more about uh, your campaign running for the Senate District. Well, first and foremost, we have to keep this economy going. Um, We have to continue to cut taxes when we can and keep them extremely low. We've already aggressively uh, started to attack the red tape, the regulation that holds businesses back. And when you hold businesses back... They stop investing, they stop hiring, uh, and and we lose ground uh, to the rest of the world. So uh, we're we're aggressively cutting red tape. We put something in place just about six months ago uh, that will require for every new rule or regulation, two months come out. And uh, so we'll have to oversee that, make sure the bureaucracy actually follows through with that, which I believe they're uh, not happy about and they're fighting to some extent. So that's important. And then this workforce development piece has to be a high priority in the legislature to try and fill these jobs that our policies have created uh, that are going unfilled. Uh, In addition to that, I want to help lower the cost of health care. One way of doing that is something called price transparency, which uh, uh, would require hospitals and other health care providers to publish their pricing. So people can actually act like consumers when they go and consume health care. We think that's important. Um, We want consumers to ask about pricing in advance, and we're not talking about emergency situations, but uh, with more routine things. Uh, Ask for the pricing, and then not only compare pricing with other providers, but also uh, compare quality. It's no different than when you buy a car or appliance. You're trying to get the best value there is, and that's both price and quality. Well, thank you, Mark, for being our guest today on today's Candidate Spotlight. Again, uh, Mark is a uh, candidate for the 22nd Senate District race. Tell us where folks can learn more about your campaign. What's your website? Well, my website is markromanchuk.com. And on that website, I have an email address. Uh, People are welcome to email me, and I will get back to them and answer any questions that isn't answered um, on the website. And one more thing I can tell you, Chris, that the Senate's considered the upper chamber, and the Senate's considered to or expected to have uh, experienced legislators there. So I'm finishing uh, my last term in the House, and I have that experience as a legislator and know how to get things done uh, where uh, that's really a big requirement for the Senate. So um, I'm hoping that uh, people hearing my voice will support me 
and um, I look forward to serving the 22nd District. Well, thank you, Mark, for being our guest today. We appreciate it very much. Again, that's Mark Romanchuk. He is a candidate for the 22nd Senate District and the March primary. Uh, he'll be on the ballot, and that is March 17th. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org, or just Google the Ohio Christian Alliance. Of course, you'd like to follow the court case that we have currently on voter rights. That's a case uh, involving a referendum issue in the city of Medina, and we've had to take that to the state Supreme Court to actually advocate on the rights of uh, the voters of the city of Medina. You can follow you can follow that uh, case also on our website at ohioca.org, and all the information is posted there. There is also links to the full case as it was submitted to the state Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, in just a few weeks, we'll be hearing more about that, so you'll want to track that on our website as well. The Ohio Christian Alliance will also provide uh, some limited information on the primary election, uh, we do survey the candidates running for Congress, running for the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate. We send out a full survey, uh, and then we publish the results. If you see that a candidate did not respond, it's because uh, they chose not to answer the questions on the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. Uh, but those who did will be posted online at ohioca.org. We'll also have other helpful information there as well. And as we mentioned earlier, that the uh, voting registration, if you need to update it, it's too late for the primary, but you can for the general election. And that link is always on our website, again, uh, for voter registration as well. In fact, there's a way in which you can do it online to the Secretary of State's website, uh, and that link is through our website as well. So we're going to have a number of guests that will uh, be on the program as we move through the year 2020, as this is the presidential election year, and we will have a number of candidates, some running for state office, some running for Congress, uh, and uh, we hope to have a number of topics that we'll be tackling. If you have a suggestion for a, co a topic that you would like us to cover, uh, please let us know that as well. Uh, you can phone us at 330-887-1922, and uh, you can leave a message with our staff at, or on the phone and let us know what topic you would like us to cover. Uh, again, if you missed any of the programs that we dealt with with educational choice vouchers, that's also on our website. I was talking to some people today that were thankful about the information that we provided through the Buckeye Institute with Greg Lawson last week. So that was very helpful as well to get a handle on educational choice vouchers. The legislature is still working on that, wrangling out the details between the two chambers, and uh, we should know something here shortly as uh, what will be the way forward for educational choice vouchers for Ohio uh, in the next term. Well, thanks for listening today. Again, uh, you can tune in each weekday at the same hour at the same time to hear News and Focus. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. 
Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.